Welcome to Equestrian Movement's Fast Do No Harm podcast. I'm your host, Katie Boniface, co-founder of Equestrian Movement with Sarah Gallagher. We work with horse riders who want to build a stronger bond and a deeper connection with their horses. In our first Do No Harm podcast, we discuss with other industry professionals how to work with horses to firstly do no harm and secondly support their mental, emotional and physical well-being throughout the training process so that we have horses that enjoy learning and ask to be ridden. Each episode, we discuss the different influences our training can have and how we can improve our horses' overall athleticism, soundness of mind and body, and emotional fortitude, while strengthening and deepening our relationship with our horses. Each week, I will endeavor to bring to you a new episode on horse riding, training, handling, and husbandry, or an interview with other industry professionals to help you address where and why you might get stuck in creating the beautiful union of dancing souls that is the equestrian sport. Are you ready to kick off today's show? Let's get started. Hey team, Katie here from Equestrian Movement and today we're talking to Lindsay Mushler from Lindsay Mushler Fitness about all things regarding balance and strength in the saddle. This is a topic that although I'm not a PT, I'm super passionate about because your ability to balance and hold yourself with lightness, ease and grace in the saddle is foundational to how well your horse can carry you. So I was so excited to have Lindsay join us to delve deeper into the fitness aspects of how you can improve your balance and therefore your communication in the saddle. Lindsay is a PT and an equestrian, but above all else, she's a mindset coach. Throughout the trials and tribulations in Lindsay's life, she has learned how integral having the ability to coach yourself mentally through difficult things is to being able to reach the audacious goals that we tend to set for ourselves as horse riders. Lindsay brings such a refreshing perspective from a PT point of view, personal transformation, positive mindset coaching, and her equestrian endeavors together into one big inspiring chat <laughs> so hope you enjoy this one you can reach out to Lindsay on her website uh find her on instagram facebook uh, she does online coaching i'm super looking forward to working with her in the future to improve my posture and balance all those links will be in the bio but for now let's kick off the chat Hi, Lindsay. I'm so excited for you to join us on the podcast today. Uh, for those of us that don't know you so well, could you give us a little bit of information about yourself? Absolutely. I'm super excited to be on the podcast as well. So thank you so much for having me. Um, so yes, my name is Lindsay Mutchler. I'm a health and wellness coach. Um, really big on, um, I started my business uh, almost seven years ago and I have um, growing from there, um, really big on teaching people not only the ins and outs of nutrition and really understanding how to fuel their body properly, but really big on the mindset because that's really what is going to cause long lasting change. And it's really what's going to, you know, when you do make these changes, something that's going to become a lifestyle. Um, I'm really big on talking about it becoming a part of your identity, not just something that we do, but it's more so a part of our identity. Um, and then I also have a podcast that I run called the mindful gains podcast, which is 
very much personal development based. Um, I have my, my sharing my own personal journeys and everything like that. And then um, I'd love to bring on also guests as well to share their journeys and just, it's an array of different topics. So definitely health and nutrition mindset. Um, I love bringing on entrepreneurs, um, all types of people. Yeah, so good. Love it. Um, So the reason why we have you here today, we want to talk to you a little bit more is um, for me, the the idea of we need to kind of treat ourselves a little bit as athletes because the endeavor of trying to stay on the back of the horse is quite athletic. (laughs) Not to mention, you know, what we try to do with the horses when we're riding them requires that level of athleticism as well. And our personal level of athleticism does have a really big impact on how well the horses can balance you know, one of the things that I see a lot with when I'm bringing my students along, especially from beginners, is that, you know, I get no from the horses a lot when we're ready for that next step challenge. And a lot of it has to do with the level of fitness and the level of balance of the individual rider. So, you know, we can see a lot of resistance from our horses, not because they're necessarily being naughty, but they're like, are you sure? Like, do you really think you're going to be able to stick this? Like, I'll give it a crack. But as soon as they feel you like wobble, they hesitate. And then, you know, our common thing is to like, they're being naughty, push them through it. And then they get spooked because they're worried about you falling off. And then that's when the wheels come off yes. and everyone is a hot mess. <laughs> it's, it's such a good topic. And it's something that like, um, I'm really happy you bring up because I don't get to talk a lot about this. Um, you know, I definitely with the people that are around me um, at my barn, but not really, I haven't really opened up a lot about it, you know, in even my own podcast. So it's such an interesting topic, especially for horse riders. Um, So, you know, I've been riding my whole life. Like my mom um, had horse her entire life. And, you know, as a baby, I was on a horse and it's definitely as I had progressed, you know, definitely I've learned a lot. And especially when we're thinking about a horse and we're thinking about being on a horse's back, it's, I like to kind of explain it as like, when I think about having a backpack on my back, right. I have a backpack on my back. If my backpack is nice and strapped on and it's nice and secured, well, you know what? It's really pretty much easy for me to move around. It's not going to be hard because the backpack's not weighing down. The backpack's not swaying side to side. Backpack's nice in place. And you can kind of think about your body on a horse. So if your body, or if you think about the backpack, if it gets loose and it's, it's hanging down and it's kind of pulling you, or if it's swishing side to side, you start to feel that pressure on your back and it's going to start to weigh down on you. It's going to start to move your body in a different direction. It's just going to make it harder. If you're thinking about walking forward, or if you're thinking about going up a mountain with a backpack, you can kind of envision that feeling. And I think about that as like a person on a horse is that when you're on a horse's back, you're being, you're balancing yourself and you're having that balance on top of their back so that they're carrying and you're going with them. And I think a lot of times as riders, we're kind of disassociating that fact of how sensitive their backs are and how easy it is for them to feel any type of tightness, any type of pressure, any type of you falling over to the one side, or if you're leaning, they can feel that so much. But when we're on a saddle, we just don't picture it because we're kind of thinking that, okay, well, you know, there's this saddle underneath me, like they can't really feel that, but they actually feel everything. Mm -hmm. And so your body awareness and, you know, when we think about horses and we always think like they know when you're nervous, 
Like they know when you ask for a canner, if you're not ready and you're tight, they, they can feel that tightness because you're unsure. And that's why they're not going to go into canner. And if they don't go into a gate, a lot of times the rider can get upset or they don't understand or they're like, or why are they picking up the wrong lead? It's, you know, what's wrong with my horse? I don't get this. Instead of like blaming the horse, more so thinking of it as a rider and thinking, okay, well, what am I doing? Like, what are they feeling on, with my body that's telling them not to do this? And, you know, it's, it's hard, especially as a beginner rider, because you haven't developed a lot of that body awareness yet. And it, you know, horseback riding in general is very, it can be very, uh, the best experience also, but it can be very frustrating because it is not easy. It's one of the hardest things, especially when I switched from riding Western to dressage, I said it literally to this day, it's the hardest thing I've ever done. It's so hard. And there's so many layers and you're so you're building up each layer and you're learning more and more about your body and you're learning more about how your horse reacts. But again, like when you think about that body awareness, you have to start to reflect as a rider and thinking that, okay, what am I going to do differently so that my horse can feel more balance, can feel more relief and that I can get what I'm, what we're looking for. I'm going to get that, that, that canner when we depart, or I'm going to ask for it. A horse is not going to feel tightness and they're going to kick out. A lot of times riders will get really angry when, you know, they ask for a canner, but they're really tight and their horse kind of kicks out. They get so mad. And I am one that I used to be like that. So I don't like, I'm not telling anybody that, Hey, I was perfect all the time. I used to get really angry because my mare would always do that. She was because she was smaller. She was a lot more sensitive to, to my, my weight and me um, being off balance. And she was very sensitive on her back. She can really feel any type of tightness. She's not like my, my gelding who he is, you know, God bless him. He's great. But like, he's so over forgiving. Sometimes it's nice to have a mare or having a horse that really kind of lets you know that, Hey, you're doing something off because, yeah. you know, you kick out. So when she started doing that, um, and I, and I'm really blessed to have a great trainer. That's like having her eyes on me, you know, she had to remind me, well, you're tight, you're squeezing. Like, like, of course she was, of course she did that because you threw her off balance. And then she was, it was hard for her to try to get into her canner. And so, you know, when we think about our body and we, again, we start to relate to that, we can start to dissect, okay, well, what, you know, then what can we end up doing? And there's several different things you can do as, you know, as a rider. So, you know, that's really kind of like my beginning thoughts about that as like, you know, becoming, you know, more body awareness and, you know, getting more to understanding that it's not just my horse, like my horse is not a car and they're not a machine (laughs) there. If we wanted to ride a motorcycle, we've got to get a motorcycle, but we're not riding motorcycles. We are, you know, we're on top of an animal that has a lot of feeling and is very sensitive. And we're on the, not only on top of the animal, we're on their back. And you think about, you know, again, your spine with a backpack, it's very, very sensitive. So that's really where they're going to feel all that. Yeah, love it. Uh, <laughs> like so much of what you just said there is like exactly what I say to the point of if you wanted to ride a motorbike, go get a motorbike. <laughs> you have to yeah. be listening and tuned in and sensitive and aware. And, you know, you have to like be a little bit flexible as well. Like, as you said, like adapt to the horse that you're on, you know, you 
a lot of horses are super sensitive to the smallest amounts of, um, you know, being unbalanced and they do lose trust and confidence in us when they feel us kind of like wheeling around like that. And, you know, for me, like that, a good horse that stops when they, like a good horse is a horse that stops when they feel that. And then we have all of these problems with horses that are like napping or, you know, not being forward or not being active enough and and whatnot. Um, But, you know, the flip side of that is the horse that doesn't stop is the horse that spooks and takes off. So it's like you you got to have a little bit of you know self reflection to see how much impact you are actually having on your horse's confidence and trust in your ability to stay on their back that's so true and it is true that like it is like when they don't do something or they just stop it is a great horse because the other side of it is it's very difficult unless you're a very experienced rider and you're very confident in your riding um you know your horse takes off on you you're it's a, uh, yeah, it's very fast and you have to think really fast on what to do. But. Yeah. Uh, so for me, obviously, like in the school, I start a lot of people and I find, so um, I don't put them into groups, you know, the normal um, structure of a riding school is a couple, handful of lessons and then head to tail the horses and put them into a group and they learn how to balance by following the horse in front. Um, my thing is like, you know what you why you fire so you do it right the first time then you're not trying to fix yourself the rest of your life (laughs) um and so I find that it takes like a good six months of just lunge lessons to get my students to the point where they can find their balance over their lower leg before they even start talking to the horse That's I like, I have no doubts. And I I give you like a lot of praise because I know that, you know, teaching anybody something is hard, but teaching a student and teaching a person on to understand how, you know, and to to try to relate to them, you know, again, body awareness on a horse is on a whole nother level. Yeah. You know, again, I have never taught somebody, you know, anything like that from the beginning. And it is, it's so, it's so much, but it does make sense, you know, and that's like such a smart thing for you to do for your students is, you know, making sure that, Hey, like, even if you're on the lunge line, it's better to do this the right way than to, to have to do, you know, learn something and then unlearn something. And I can definitely relate to that personally, because, um, the person that I took lessons from, um, previously to where I'm at now, there were a lot of really bad habits that I had that I had to break And they were very, very difficult. And especially um, a lot of it was really forward leaning. A lot of it was understanding uh, like where my elbows needed to be, where my hands needed to be. And then also not understanding um, really with the, you know, they're with the bit in the mouth and just not, you know, connecting your mind to what's going on in the horse's mouth. Because again, it's so hard sometimes or so easy to neglect that and not be so sensitive to thinking what it actually feels like. And what it feels like for that to be on their tongue and how, like, how that is making them, you know, what, where you're asking for with it. And one of the big things that I learned and like, I had to really unlearn was trying to only use rain and not understanding how much powerful, like I actually have with my legs yeah. and, you know, pushing them into contact or pushing them over and like, getting them to engage their back end. Um, it was, it was very difficult. It's still, you know, it's like, you have to like, repetition after repetition after repetition it takes 
months to unlearn something, not like years, and then to implement it over and over and over to improve on it. Yeah, for sure. But definitely there's like two main points that I like pull out of that is that, you know, once we have this like secure stability over the lower leg, it has such a drastic and significant impact on both the horse's ability to balance, but then also like how effective our communication is with that bit pressure. Because if we are using the reins at all to balance then you know how does your horse differentiate between oh you're just pulling there because you've lost balance or oh you're actually trying to tell me to do something and then on the flip side like even if you're not using the contact to communicate if you're like rain is slack and then you do go to pick up the contact and you're unbalanced then the communication is is still unclear so like that's you know my next probably one to three year project with my students is secure stable over the lower leg being able to do two point seat like walk trot and canner being able to ride with and without contact so just like you know really comfortable and being able to move independently of the horse and not feeling like you have to use the reins or you need to control the horse but then I think that's probably also where a lot of our mindset work comes in because we're like what I done yesterday <laughs> I want to be like galloping through the open fields with my arms out free like a bird you know and then three years later we're still trying to keep our lower legs stable and trying not to smack the horse in the mouth with a bit <laughs> yes it's it's so much and what's funny it's like it's making me think about so with the mare I'm talking about Alexia um so she was my mom's horse originally and um you know, when my mom passed, like, obviously we were, we were working with her together. Um, but she, so my mom got this horse and she was 10 months old when my mom got her, my mom had never had that young of a horse. My mom's first horse she got when he was seven years old. And that was the horse that I grew up knowing his name was Alexander and he lived till he was almost 34. So literally my mom's life for a long time, we got another paint in between there. Um, and then after he passed away, my mom got this 10 month old horse, Long story short, it was like, you know, years of on and off her working with people and Alexi was just, she was a wild woman. She was completely just, she had one of those personalities that was like spooked at everything, just extremely un, like she was just not trained. And it was a very confident, like like a trainer could ride her, no problem. But the biggest problem happened was uh, we never had met a trainer that taught us how do we handle a horse like this? So I ended up having to learn a lot from her and uh, it was, you know, one of the scariest things to do, which was funny to look back because, you know, only a really good friend of mine, Wilma, who was around when she saw, cause people that my newborn, they only see this 23 year old horse. They don't see the horse that was when she was 15, she was still acting like a wild two-year-old Mustang or something. Um, but they only see this, you know, okay, this super broke horse. And it's funny because we reflect back and we think is like how wild she was. Well, when I started working with her, I was, you know, again, I had ridden my whole life, but I had never ridden a horse that was not trained completely or was not, you know, broke. So I had to go into it with, okay, the mindset of, all right, you know what, this is going to be hard. And there is no cheating the system, like with horseback riding with, with weightlifting. This is why it's like, you can really relate fitness and horseback riding so good together because especially with weight training and building muscle, because you cannot beat the work. You can't beat the time. You can't beat the work. 
It's like you're not going to get from A to B without going or A to whatever E without going to A, B, C, D. You know, you have to take those stages. And so with Alexia, I was working with this trainer and he was great. He was really helpful with me. And um, it got to a point where, you know, we had been riding in the round pen and stuff and it was time to like get on our own big arena. And I was just so scared. I was so scared. And I, you know, I told him he was like, well, you know what? I think you need to think about getting another horse like for yourself because, you know, clearly like, you know, this is, you know, might not work out. And I was like, I don't want another horse. Like I want to ride my horse. I want to ride her. And he's like, well, then you got to get on the damn horse. And I'm like, hey, I was so scared. <laughs> and like, you know, you're in a round pen, you're in your safe zone or your trainer's got you on the lunge line. You feel safe. But I had to get on in the arena and I was like, hey, you know what? I have to do this. And so I did it and it was scary, but you know what? We didn't fall off that day. She threw me off a lot of times, but we didn't fall off that day. But when I was, you know, learning with her, I would watch all these other riders like cantering their horses in the arena, outside the arena, just being able to take the gate open and go outside. And I used to ask my old trainer, I said, do you think I'm ever going to be able to do that? Am I ever going to be able to like canter on Alexia? Like, you think I'm ever going to be able to do that? And because it seems so far away, right? Like, it seemed so out of my, out of the question at this time. And he was like, yes, absolutely. I know you will. And it was hard to believe. Mm-hmm. And it's, again, it's funny because in height, you know, when we look back and I look back on that experience and I think like, oh my God, like, I mean, I've cantered that horse anywhere, any, like anytime I don't worry about it anymore, but it took years of building confidence and building my body awareness with her. Cause again, she was a small horse that was extremely sensitive was, you know, again, she was spooked at everything. I had to build this confidence with her as well, which, you know, when you're, if you have a student on, on one of your horses, it's probably a little easier because they're, they're trained, but with her, it was like, we had to do this together mm-hmm. and I'll never regret that. Like, it's probably the best learning lesson I ever got was extreme patience and, you know, understanding with my mindset that I, I couldn't just go from, you know, from, you know, again, A to E, I couldn't just go get there. I had to take the time. I had to build the skills. I had to build the confidence in myself and I definitely had to build the body awareness. I was really fortunate, you know, that I have been very active in working out and it, that definitely helped. And we can definitely like kind of touch into some things that will help riding as well. But, you know, again, like it is such a mental game and you have to understand that if you want that, if you want that result, but you're not willing to wait for it, then you don't really want it. Because in my mind, it didn't matter how long it took. It didn't matter that this horse, like in hindsight, with like my riding ability, with what I was used to, you know, she was more for somebody that was more advanced to be able to handle her at that moment of her life. But I didn't care. said, you know what? I don't care how long it takes. I don't care how slow I have to go. I'm going to do this. And, you know, again, we built up. I'll never forget my first canter on her. I think it was, it was in, I I can't remember the year, but it was, it was on new year's day. And I was like, I couldn't believe it. And I only literally cantered like three steps. And then I stopped her (laughs) scared. Then she was fine and she was fine. And I, it was like the, like, I have a video of it. It was like the greatest moment. Like I was like, oh my God, like, I can't believe I finally cantered this horse. And again, you know, we ended up, you know, and it's like, there's so many years and so many phases, but to like take her end up to then, you know, ended up, I was telling you before we recorded going into like dressage and getting her like, you know, through first level, which was great. 
Um, but again, like your mindset has to be in it that you're, you're here to learn and you can want something like you can want something. And it's like, it's great to have that want. And I think in horseback riding, it's really powerful to visualize what you're after, like mm-hmm. visualize seeing yourself on your horse cantering, visualize these things and really see them, but know that it's going to take that work in between to get you there. And that's okay. But if you really want it and you really are serious about it, and it's something that you want to pursue, then you have to take the time to do it. And like, again, like think about gymnasts, right? Like a gymnast that is an Olympic gymnast, they're not born an Olympic gymnast. Everything they end up having to do to get there is really, you know, in the height is hard work. And some of it's really boring, like some (laughs) of the learning for horseback riding, some of it is boring. I remember having lessons that were just literally about me trying to feel where my, like feel my horse's hind leg, like actually reaching under and me trying to understand and how to like, because I had a horse that I was riding that was not pushing under, like he wasn't reaching far enough. So it was feeling his body and being able to push in my leg when he was reaching it. So he would reach more. And like, it was boring, but <laughs> it was so, like, it was so boring. And I think like, can't believe I just did this for 30 minutes. Like, but I had to learn awareness. Like if you don't understand what your horse's legs are doing, how are you going to know something's off? How are you going to know if they're actually reaching underneath? How are you going to feel? How can I improve their movement? Just like the same thing with their back, right? If you don't know what it feels like for them to, to actually hold themselves and like, like lift their back, then they're just going to be hollow and they're not actually using their abdomen and they're going to, they're going to get more back sore and they're going to develop, you know, a poor, they're just going to develop poor muscle and it's going to end up, you know, again, reverting you kind of backwards because, you know, you get like, you know, especially if you're like schooling on horses, you get particular, I'm sure to like your horse that you want to ride. Yeah. So, so yeah. Yeah. So good. Lots lots and lots of mindset. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I like, honestly, the green horses are just like so good for showing you how balanced a horse needs you. You know, that was definitely like a steep learning curve for me when I first started out as a professional. Um, The horses the horse that I had, like I'd had him for, you know, five or six years. So we were like armchair comfy in each other. And, you know, when you get like that with your horse, like you're a one-on-one, your horse, your rider, you do kind of like mold into each other and make up for each other's deficits, which (laughs) can be, you know, self-limiting in itself because you never like it it makes it harder to see where those blocks are where your horse is making up for your deficits and you're making up for your horse's deficits but then like you know getting on and riding you know breaking horses in and and riding green horses and they just like have zero balance they don't know how to stabilize underneath you you know you are not talking about holding a horse's frame at all at that point you're like stay out of their mouths, stay off their back, like let them figure out where their balance is underneath you. And I think, you know, for people who are keen to really take it seriously, I think it is good to, you know, be able to ride a couple of green horses at, at one point. You know, I've put one of my students on a few different green horses just 
to you know create that awareness of like wow this horse is like super unbalanced I can't do anything with it because every time I move it loses balance you like creating that kind of awareness you then put yourself on an educated horse and it does like help you you know break through some of those blocks where the reason why you weren't progressing with your horse was because you were moving too much you weren't like you know trying to tight like hold yourself in and and get out of your horse's road and get out of your horse's mouth and yeah just like being able to experience there was one particular I like (laughs) going through this as like teenager and in my 20s and whatnot I was just like whatever as if that has you know a big impact and there was like this really really hot thoroughbred that I had um on training for a while that was going to be my show jumper and she was just so hard to slow down she was just like we're like doing all our training exercises trying to do our tempo changes and you know she was just super hot and then I was playing around with my pelvis one day and I just like went you know when you were talking about just being a little bit too far forward um because when you've got a horse on the forehand it does tip you forward like it's really hard to get into your upright when your horse is on the forehand and like that is a, a whole challenge in itself but like this one day I was playing around with it and I pulled my pelvis up and sat upright on her and she slowed down I was like wow <laughs> this is amazing <laughs> how much would impact like such a subtle adjustment because obviously like I was the one rushing her because I was too forward and she was like running to try to catch me yeah. like, being on the forehand, rushing, trying to catch the way that I was putting her off balance, like just coming up with my pelvis, like getting my pelvis upright, getting into my upright seat was all I needed to change. Like it didn't have anything to do with bit pressure, didn't have anything to do with communication, cueing. I didn't need extra gadgets. I just needed the body awareness to, you know, adjust where I was sitting so that she could adjust how she was holding me. And that in itself has been like a really tricky learning curve for me over the years is like, I've always found it really hard to set the horse's tempo with my own body. Like I find myself always following the horse and, you know, the the hardest lessons that I ever had were like trying to slow a horse down just by slowing my seat down. And it's like, but but they're creating my movement. Like how do I go slower than than they're bouncing me (laughs) it's it's really hard and like what I've learned in like my experience with it because that you know that's something um we're doing a lot with Oz is that um obviously you know he's more like he's he has a lot of training under him but we're you know in dressage like trying to you know really get him to balance especially in his cannering like he wants to kind of run into it instead of leaning back and like jumping into his canner um and so with the slow and especially with going from like a like a your regular trot to your like almost slowing down to like a walk it is so much of your core and it is it's really hard to not like try to pull on them and you know again like a lot of it is just is giving it time but using your core more and it's so hard because especially like if you do when you do like sitting trot or when you do canter and if you don't have your core engaged again like your whole upper body starts to like move and flow and then you're wondering like why first off you go see a video of yourself ever doing that which I've been there 
You're like, I look at these old videos of me on my horse pilgrim and I'm like, what was I doing? Like, I'm like, what, what was this? Like, why was I doing this? But it's also because I didn't have any core. I wasn't using any of my core and I wasn't understanding like how important it is again, like to start to become aware of my body and how that is going to help you to slow down your horse. And it does, it seems crazy, right? It seems crazy when your trainer says, um, you know, just like when you're, especially if you're walking and they're like, just start trotting using only your seat and you're like what (laughs) like this sounds insane like I'm just supposed to move my butt and they should but that's also with the teaching aspect of it right and it's it's kind of understanding how the horse is you know again I'm not a horse trainer but what I've learned is that it's kind of understanding how if your horse is in tune with your body and your seat and they're not, you haven't like become made them super like, un, like not sensitive enough. Cause they do want them to be semi-sensitive. That's why you, when you ask for like a trot, like when we ask for a trot, we do just the inside leg and your horse should understand that. Like I put pressure, I go just like when we ask for, when we do the canter, you know, and I guess like everybody does it differently, but we always ask with the back, like, like that means canter. And it's like, you have to be very clear because when you progress, you know, through, if you want to ever get flying changes, well, you better have it very clear that they know that this means this and this means that. And so like with the seat part, yes, it's definitely holding your core, but it's understanding that, you know, you have to start to, you know, being aware of how your body is when you're asking for these things, because you'll desensitize them a lot by yourself. Like you're going to have to think, we always have to reflect as a rider as a like, what am I doing with my body that again is like in turn, not like translating to the horse. And it's hard because, you know, again, like I was the same way. Like I used to think that I, one big thing that I used to think I needed stirrups. Like I thought that I, I had to have stirrups. And when people, when, like, if, when the first time my trainer told me, like, she took away my stirrups, <laughs> what's funny is, is that on Alexia in particular, she took away my stirrups and my horse responded 1000% better because I was using like a lot of my, like, I wasn't actually using my hips and I would drive from my, I was trying to like post with my calves and not actually just like, like rotating my hips and using my glutes. And I wasn't engaging my core, but when you don't have stirrups to push down pressure on your legs, well, suddenly you have to use more of your core muscles and you have to, you have to understand that you don't need your stirrups to canter. And I thought that that was like, like uh, the first time I ever did that, I thought that seemed crazy. I'm like, I'm going to fly out. (laughs) Like, there's no (laughs) way I'm going to like, I am going to fly out of this. And then it's like, she was like, no, you're not. You're not, you don't need them and you really don't need them, but that's another tool that, you know, when you do something like that, you start to really learn again about where your body is and like that body awareness on the horse. And you start to think, okay, well, okay, what am I doing when, and I had to again, reflect and think, well, what am I doing when I put my feet in the stirrup? What am I doing that is causing my horse to get more tense? And that's when I had to think about, okay, well, that's because a lot of times I'm, I'm using my calves a lot, but not for asking for like, you know, them to trot or asking for a canner. I'm using my calves to like, to like not engage actually my, like what I should be engaging to post. And, you know, again, it's like, once I figured that out, it's then it's like thinking about your muscle mind connection and thinking, okay, like I have to actually imagine that this is where I'm posting from. I'm not posting from pushing in my, my feet down or my, or squeezing my caps in my horse, or, you know, trying to pull myself out of the horse I'm posting with these muscles. 
And when you start to think about like doing that, you know, it is, it does take a lot, you know, depending on like your students and like what level they are and how old they are, it just takes a lot of them taking their mind and thinking about those muscles again. And then, you know, then you go into like for workout wise, it's why when you translate into like what you're doing, especially weight training, um, I think is very underrated in like the equestrian world is thinking about how, if you, you want to be flexible. So there's like two aspects of it. You want to be flexible and mobile because you want, you don't want super high tip You don't want super um, tight hip flexors. You don't want to be super, you want to be mobile in your hips and your quads and everything like that. And in your back, and you want to have that strong core, but you also want to just be overall strong enough so that your body can support you. And another thing that like with weight training and building more, more lean muscle mass on your body is going to do for you. And I think about this a lot is that it's going to protect you if something happens, because we don't ride horses thinking we're never going to fall off. Like it is, you know, and it's like sometimes some horses, you might never fall off of them, but it is a possibility. And, and I think that having that respect, like, and I think that's why it is good to ride, you know, a hot horse versus like a super trained horse. Because I think it actually makes you remember that in the, at the end of the day, these are animals, like they're blessings because they let us ride them, but they're a wild animal. They're an animal. It's a gift that we get to go on their backs. But at, you know, if, if it's something happens, you could have the most broke horse in the world, but if they fear for their life, they're going to react and there's nothing that's going to stop them. So I've fallen off, not, I've fallen off Alexia during the training things, <laughs> fell off of her plenty of times. And I was lucky that I always was, I was always fine. And then, um, I fell off, um, one of this other horse that I was riding for a short period of time. But, um, every time I fell off, I recovered really fast. And I really, I really attribute that to the muscle that I built over the years. And I know that because other people in my barn that, you know, they're great riders, but when they fell off their horses or they had an accident on another horse, because they don't have a good amount of muscle, they were out for like, a, like, you know, a week or two and they were bruised and they couldn't barely walk. And I had this really, I was riding one of my trainer's horses and she was, she's a halflinger cross and her name's Penny and she's a great horse, but she's also, she's one of those very, she can be very opinionated. Well, anyway, she was being just a little bit bratty that day. And, you know, we, we worked through some of this stuff and, um, you know, I was done and we did a couple more like, um, leg yields. And then I was like, okay, like I'm done and Penny, you're good. We're done with your work. And so I, I loosened up the reins and was going to let her just walk off free walk and just like relax. And she was like, you know what? I'm really mad at you. I'm going to just take off. And that horse was like, went bull- and I couldn't get the reins. And anyways, I had the impression she was about to like run me into this fence. So I was like, I- I'm going to abandon ship. And it was funny because like looking back, I have no idea what I was thinking, why I felt like this. I knew there was a horse coming up to this side. So I figured, I think the best thing is to swing my left leg over and fall down on the opposite side instead of trying to like do an emergency, like dismount long story short, landed, like everything on my hip felt every bit. And it would hurt so bad. And, um, you know, I was okay in that sense, but this is a big thing I did differently when I had that fall. So I had fall, had other falls off that were like, they were, they weren't terrible. Like I didn't like they, I could get up right away and could get back on my horse. This one was like, there's no way I'm getting back on that horse. Like I can't, it hurt. And so 
what I did instead of not doing anything, I had already been seeing a chiropractor, a whole, I have an actual episode with my chiropractor because it's something like is very underrated in like just overall health. Um, but especially with this fall in particular, and this is something, if you ever fall off a horse, I recommend if you have a good chiropractor that works with like does especially musculature work. Um, so when I fell, I contacted her and I said, Hey, like I fell off my horse. Like, what do you think I should do? She goes, come in tomorrow. So I went in right away. So on top of like having muscle, which definitely protected me, I went in the next day and she was like, my hip was because I landed, it was just jammed up into me. So we adjusted my, I got, it was a Friday that happened. I got adjusted on a Saturday, came back on a Monday, got adjusted again. And I was riding again on Tuesday. Wow. I mean, mean, that was like such a bad fall. And the other people at the barn were like, how the hell are you back on the horse? And I I didn't even have, what's crazy thing is, is that I had that terrible fall. I didn't have a bruise. I couldn't believe it. I was thinking again, like I built a lot of this muscle that it in turn protect me. So that's something that like, you can think of as a rider, you can think about, you know, again, like it can seem overwhelming because like, as we're talking, you know, and if somebody's like a beginner rider, they're like, Oh my God, like how the hell am I going to fix all my problems and, you know, do all these things. And we don't have to try to, you know, do everything at once, but I think it is important just to, you know, again, start to become more aware of your body and start to understand, okay, the better I take care of my body, the better that it's going to translate on my horse and my horse is going to feel that. And not only are we going to get a better result riding, but I'm also going to protect myself as well, because again, these are horses, you know, they're, they're (laughs) blessings, but they're horses. And, um, I, what I also learned from Penny that day was I learned that cause she was a super broke horse, right? No problems. I learned that, you know what, we always have to respect them too and respect their feelings because sometimes, and I, you know, I, I will say like that day, you know, I think maybe she was, you know, maybe she was sore. Maybe she really wasn't feeling like it. And maybe I was pushing her a little bit much and, she kind of was like trying to tell me, Hey, like, no, like I really not feeling this today. And she got angry and that's sometimes horses, right? Like, again, they're not, you know, they're not machines. They kind of, they feel like us. And I, I have to think about that. Like, and I do think about that a lot. If I'm having a lesson or maybe if you're a student or whoever's listening, like you're having, you're riding your horse and it just, it's not a good ride. And you're like, what the hell's going on here? Instead of getting angry and thinking like you're going backwards, just start to kind of process it in your mind and start to think about, well, you know what? Maybe they were messing around out when they were turned out and they, you know, they kind of tweaked themselves and they're just not feeling good. Or maybe they were just running around like crazy and they didn't, they just don't feel good. Or maybe they just didn't sleep all night and they're not feeling so good or they're just really sore. And that's why I'm not having a good ride. And I think with mindset, with riding, like when you do disassociate yourself there, you start to like not get so upset and like not get so emotional. Cause I'm sure you've had students, right. That get really emotional when they have, like, we all do, right. We get really emotional because we think like, oh my God, why? Like, why is this such a shitty ride? But it's not, it's not a bad ride. Just every ride's different. Some of them are like, oh my God, we made so much progress. And then yeah. Like two steps forward, one step back, sometimes 10 steps back. And then you're like, Oh, 20 steps forward. Yeah. It's all a learning curve. 
I, I find um, like I, I do have quite a feel for the moments now, like a lot of training is just, it's probably the same as like when you're at the gym training. Um, a lot of training is just like kind of maintenance to like get to a certain level. And then the moon and the stars and the sun, they all come into alignment for like this perfect transformational moment. And you can kind of like have that breakthrough moment. And then, but then that's your like new a hundred percent and you can't get that every time you ride to begin with and you you can't sustain it, you know, for more than a couple of strides, like your horse physically can't because they have to condition up to be able to hold it as well. So it's like a lot of the rides are just like maintaining what you have Mm -hmm. and getting to that point where both you and your horse are capable of more together. You know, like if you're coming along together with your horse, that's what it looks like. But if you have a horse that's more educated than you, then like a lot of it is just like maintaining your athleticism to be ready to do the next thing with that horse. And then you'll have like a couple of breakthrough moments. And you know, the thing about that horse that's more educated than you, they're like, um, are you, are you sure? Like we've, you know, you've been here for so long. I've only needed to put this much effort in to do what you're asking me to do. You want me to put a little bit more effort in? Are you sure you want me to put more effort in? Also, by the way, when I put that more effort in, it's going to be bouncier. It's going to be faster. It's going to be more powerful. Are you ready for, you know, that extra power? And if, you know, we're not because it's something that we haven't experienced before. It's something that we haven't done before. And so then the horse is hesitant to do it again because we lost our balance when we achieved that more. So there's just like such, you know, a fluctuation and you don't want to make like the challenge day, a day that they're having a bad day. So like mm-hmm. if we've had, you know, in Brisbane at the moment, we're having like so much rain, like we're just doing, you know, basic skills with the horses because they're grumpy, they're tight, they're sore, their muscles are sore, even though they've got their rugs on and they've got shelter, they're uncomfortable from, you know, constant rain and, and mud and whatnot. And, you know, in spring, like their hormones go crazy and they get excited. Like you don't ask for more energy when they're coming in with uncontrollable energy. Oh, yeah. I, you know, you want to kind of pick those days to, to make like the, the, the two of you kind of come together in synchronicity there. Um, talk to us a little bit about what you were talking about with the mind-muscle connection because this is something that I only really figured out like not that long ago and I feel like if I had a thought about it a long time ago, I could have progressed a lot quicker. But something that we practice a lot um, in our lessons is like being able to switch a muscle on, switch a muscle off. And then like for some of my students, I'll touch like a part of their body just to be like this one here so that they can like make that connection from their brain to be able to switch it on, switch it off. Yeah. So it's, it is, it's hard because it's very individual based, you know? And like when we, again, we're thinking about like, you have to start to understand that your mind obviously is controlling like when I'm lifting up my hand and I'm moving, it happens so fast. And these are just big, like bigger movements that I'm not thinking about the muscle that's actually moving. You know, I'm not engaging each single muscle, but when we're thinking about like imagining that muscle engaging, you really have to think. And like, I have to even like get into like a mode of like how I would think I have to think about, okay, like 
especially my core, I have to think about, am I actually like engaging my core or am I just holding my breath? Because if I'm just holding my breath, like I'm just breathing in, I'm holding my breath. I'm feeling it more here versus when I'm actually engaging my core, what you're going to really feel is that like you're engaging your core, you'll actually feel more of like your lower abdomen and like your, your belly almost sticks out a little bit. You're not pushing out, but a lot of times when people are engaging their core, it's not very attractive. Like when I do like exercises, like dead bugs, um, when you're on your back and you're actually engaging your core and you're pushing your lower back, if you ever like look up, like how to do a dead bug on dead bug on YouTube, it's a great core exercise, especially because it also helps with like understanding your lower back and like pushing your lower back into the ground and holding your core. But you'll see that like when you're, when you have to push your lower back into the floor, you have to actually engage your core correctly and then you keep it there. So it's a really good way to kind of start to understand what that actually feels like to engage your core because you have something to go off of, right? Because it's easy to be like, oh, I'm just engaging my core, but you actually didn't know what it actually felt like. You might've just been holding your breath and you're not using those deep muscles. So when you think about also is that like, it does take a lot of time. It takes time to start to actually feel that muscle working and like working out when we are lifting, this is why it's so important to like, not be always chasing. Like you want to, you want to be progressing with like lifting heavier weights and like, and doing progressive overload to tax the muscle. But what's more important is, is that like, are you actually using the correct muscle? And so what I found was like with training clients and like, even through my own personal training is that if I upped just weight, it was really easy for me maybe to like go through the motion, but I actually wasn't using the right muscle, especially for maybe like, um, like split squats, or they're called also Bulgarian split squats or single leg squat. Um, yeah, you call them Bulgarian splits, Bulgarian split squats. They are a really good exercise for riders because especially, you know, if you build up from it, like if you can't do lunges, you know, you definitely don't want to go into split squats, but, um, even like single stand squats, they're really good for riders because, you have to, you're going to feel the engagement of one leg at a time. And you're going to be able to feel like your glutes, especially activating. And what I found was, is that like, yes, maybe I could grab heavier dumbbells and I could quickly go through the motion, but I wasn't really getting anything out of it. So when I slowed it down, I used a lighter weight. I started to think, okay, is like, am I feeling this actually in my quad and my glute, or am I just feeling it like in, you know, my, like my upper body or whatever you're doing, but you have to slow down the movement to start to feel that muscle working. And so again, like thinking about, okay, what is it actually doing? And when you do start to become more aware of it and you start to pay attention and you start to imagine that like that muscle is actually contracting, then you can start to kind of develop a little bit more. It becomes easier to develop that but it takes time again. Like it takes time and it takes doing something. That's why I think the dead bug is like a really good exercise. And again, it sounds so weird, but it's a really good core exercise because you to push your lower back into again, the ground, you have to actually engage your core to do that and then holding it there. So it teaches you what it feels like to do that. And when you have something to like push against, it's easier again. Like, just like if you have something to push against to like push something like your hand, like you can understand, okay, oh, my hand is pushing here. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. And it's it's definitely why I spend like so long with my beginners um, just practicing how you go up and down. <laughs> 
because you can really unconsciously stand out of the saddle and sit into the saddle, but then you learn, like you end up switching on the wrong muscles to actually hold your balance. Like you might start grabbing with your knee when you find yourself like go too far forward. And then that has like such long-term impacts on how effective you're going to ride down the track because now you've got, you know, your pelvis rotated down to try and hold on. So like, as we were talking earlier, like you're never going to get your horse off forehand because you're hanging on with the wrong muscles. Um, and like then, you know, your body acts as like a pendulum because now your knee is your pivot point. And so then you're off balance. So you're never going to center yourself on the horse. So then you're never going to, you know, be able to have clear communication and contact because you're penduluming back and forward. And then you can't communicate clearly with your leg because you're hanging on with your knee. Like you can't get your leg in properly. Um, you know, there's just so many things that if we can get the, and then, you know, what do we always hear? Heels down. Well, heels down is the symptom. It's not like the problem. The problem is like where you're hanging on with your knees instead of like stabilizing your, your lower leg and being able to like open and close your joints and find that balance point out of the saddle. Like, you know, my kids, my students, they get tortured. They have to you know, go up, hold their two-point seat, find where that point of balance is, find where their leg needs to be to be stable. And then they have to do that before they go into the trot so that they know that their body is warmed up. You know, a lot of my students, if you just do your walk exercises, they just like kind of will collapse into the armchair mode because it's comfy, it's easy. You don't have to hold yourself there. And then you haven't warmed your body up to start trotting and then you're like <laughs> bouncing off the because you oh, Yeah, it's like for a horse, like for anybody that rides, like it is the worst thing I like you can do is that relaxed like this. Like it is so especially like even when you're just sitting, right? You want your core engaged. And that's why, like, if you ever, like, carry, again, like, a heavy backpack or, like, people call it, like, rucking with, like, a weighted backpack, it forces you to engage your core to hold your back upright. But, like, that's what protects the spine. So your core is always going to be, it's protecting your spine. And if you're, like, loose, just like you're saying, and then they think that you're just going to go from being loose to, like, oh, I'm just going to go running. It's just, like, walking out the door and thinking you're going to go run a marathon. And you have like... <laughs> You haven't warmed up. You haven't like loosened anything. You also aren't engaging any muscles yet. Like it's a recipe for disaster. It's terrible. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. So good. So, um, there's a lot there. <laughs> there's a lot yeah, there. yeah. I'm like, it's easy to talk. And then you're like, Oh, how long have we been talking for? But you know, there's so many, again, like there's so many aspects of, of riding and fitness and in mindset, it's just, it all correlates together. And, you know, when you get into the sport, you have to get into it with knowing that no matter, cause I think like in, in the social media world, right? Like you can get so caught up in like looking at like, especially professionals or people that only post like the perfect videos and it just looks so effortless. And I'm like, y'all, you know, that it's like, it's like, 90 times wrong before you get it right and then you just get it you know you get it caught on video but also like with um and it's why like I really love like dressage and I love like that sport and just because I feel like there are a lot of movements in it where you can't you know you can't do like a passage like from like at three years old correctly like they don't know how to hold their 
They don't know how to hold their core. They're not going to be able to do this. Even if you can get them to do it, it's not done correctly. And they'll just end up becoming broken and they're not going to last. And that's why, like when you're building a dressage horse, you're thinking about like, if you're doing it smart, right, you're taking them through these stages. And like, you're talking about with, they're learning how to actually use their body and it's not going to happen overnight. It takes years to get a pre, like a Grand Prix horse. So they don't have like five-year-old, like I've never heard of a five-year-old Grand Prix horse. Like maybe they may, I mean, I don't think they exist because they, if they do exist, how long is their actual career? Cause they didn't, you know, it takes time just like us, right? It takes time to build muscle. And, you know, when you do embark on like, you know, if you're embarking on your, your horse journey and you're embarking on your own fitness journey, know that it takes years and whatever you see based off of like social media. And I, like, I look at like my own journey. Um, and at the time when I did start lifting, you know, I was extremely like overweight and I was, I always tell people I was like the most unhealthy person, like 10, 12 years, 10 to 12 years ago. And when I started, I think that it went faster to me because I wasn't thinking about getting there fast. I was just thinking about every one day at a time. And I thought about, okay, I just need to, you know, just show up, do the work. And then it was like, you know, I look back and then it was like years later and I'm like, wow, I never thought again, I never even thought about trying to do pull-ups. And it's like, it's so funny because I can do pull-ups really easily, but it's because I built that muscle over time. And it's the same thing, like with like your horseback riding, you know, it's just, you're taking it one day at a time and you're, you're working in your fitness. You're working on these as like a conjunction with each other and you're going to build from there and it's going to take you where you want to be, but just be patient. Like you have to be patient and you cannot compare yourself to any other rider because everybody is different. And another thing that always like helped me out was understanding that everybody has a struggle. Like they all have struggles. Like every trainer has a struggle and every trainer has a horse. Like, like I was like, I think like a lot of trainers, like they ride so many horses and yeah, you're like, Oh my God, like they're probably never afraid of horse. They all have a horse that scares them. And it might not be your horse and it might not be these other horses, but every single trainer, I don't care who they are. They have one horse that, that will get them. That will like, that will like that fear that we sometimes have as a rider. They'll have that. And it's humbling to them and they don't like it. And I remember one of my trainer, like one of my, um, my old trainers, he told me like, and he was, he was a badass. Like he rode all different, like, um, different styles, but he was, you know, it was like, people call him a cowboy, but he wasn't like a cowboy, but he was a great trainer, a great horse trainer. Um, but yeah, he told me he had a horse. He was never afraid of horses. He broke horses. He rode everybody's horse, all these horses. Even this was his profession. And he had a horse that he said scared him a lot because this horse was so powerful. And he knew that this horse is like buff. This horse actually could really hurt him. And he fell off of him once and he got injured he was able to like recover from it, but he said he just couldn't get out of his head and he had to sell the horse. He was like, I'm done. So, I mean, I'm sure again, like you as a trainer, like we all know that there's, there's horses that, that get to you and the, you have that same, that same experience as your students, but it doesn't make you stop. It doesn't make you less of a trainer. It's just the reality of it is, is that we're all human and anybody that you're following, anybody that you're looking at as like what you're looking up to be inspired by them, but don't let it like diminish what you're doing. And like in your journey and just know that, you know, your journey is, is your journey for a reason. Yeah, for sure. Like that, you know, that those times come up a lot 
like as a professional in the industry, it's like, uh, I think I was maybe seven years into doing it professionally. I was like, oh, I think I might be starting to get okay at this. <laughs> uh, so hard. Oh my God. I can't, I literally cannot imagine because when I, um, so at my barn, I, I'm really lucky that, you know, I have people there that have let me ride their horses or with, before I got my new horse, Oz, I was riding a couple horses to see if maybe a potential lease. Cause I, you know, I, again, my horse is 23. I was not going to be able to keep riding her like five days a week. She needed to be slowing down a little bit. And I was like, well, maybe I'll, um, you know, I'll part lease and I can, you know, cause I didn't know I was going to get another horse that soon. So getting on other horses. Yes. You learn, like they're all very different (laughs) and the way that like some of like you watch somebody ride them, you're like, Oh, that looks easy. And then you get on them. Like, I'm not even going forward. What's going on here. I can't even move this horse or this horse that hates me and doesn't want to do anything. Yeah. And you learn. And then another thing that I, that I learned was I rode this horse that was trained, you know, pre to pre St. George. He's, you know, he's, uh, he's got all the fancy buttons, all the fancy moves. And you think that, well, if I get on a super, super trained horse, it should be even easier. It's not because if you don't know how to properly ask, they will not do it. And yeah. if you, they, they know the buttons so well, and they're so trained in understanding your body awareness and like, you really have to be sensitive to them. Um, they won't do these things. And I was like shocked. I was like, I, you know, again, I like, and I, I just couldn't believe it. I'm like, why, why is she make it look so easy as owner? I'm like, she makes it look so easy and it's not easy. It's still not easy because I'm not at that level yet. I'm not riding with St. George. I haven't learned these things. I haven't I, you know, and you, you get experience from riding other horses, which is a good thing also is just like, um, and I think it's, it's nice to never get too complacent because if you get too used to just your horse and you never hop on another horse, you like, you lose that, that, um, that confidence in yourself too. So it's always good to kind of test yourself. And, you know, if you have friends that have horses, like, you know, switch off like for fun on a Saturday or something, that's what we'll end up doing. Um, or like I'll warm up my friend's horse. So she'll warm up my horse, you know, just to, to keep like learning. Cause you learn from all of them. My God, they're all. And I used to not understand that when I first started, um, like riding, I didn't, because I was so used to riding my own horses. I didn't understand that they literally all feel so different. Every single horse's gait feels different. Everybody's saddle on the horse feels different. They all feel completely different. And it's really interesting though. It's really, it's fun though. Yeah. I think that's so cute. I love that. That is actually one of the lesson plans that we're working through at the moment is like um, understanding that like the horse's unique gait because you you do get comfortable within, you know, your horse's rhythm within their stride. And then when you ride other horses, you're trying to get that same feel like that same stride out of that horse but you've you've got to adapt to it so we've been doing an exercise at the moment um been talking to the my students like about the the rhythm of the stride and that it's like your horse's music and that you need to like be in rhythm with 
their music so I'll count the stride to the to the writer so that they can hear the rhythm and you know then we're like adapting the the tempo so like the speed with our tempo changes and then we're doing our half halts to like maintain the same rhythm and you know just finding that comfortable and even myself like you know on the different school horses hearing like how I say the rhythm differently because of the horse's you know, movement being slightly, slightly different, feeling the different rhythm of the different horses. And I didn't really understand that, like, initially as when I was doing, like, a lot of training and breaking. But what I did understand was, like, being able to pick different bands and things that, like, suited the horse that I was riding. And if you get, like, the right, the right music, then, you know, the horse just, like, lets go and swings into it. And, the the harmony between the horse and the rider is so much better when like you are matching each other's rhythm and you know end of the day it's the horses like they're the like they're the ones that have to balance we have to meet them at their natural gait their natural rhythm and so being able to just like relax and move into their natural pace like when we talk about relaxation and swing and freedom of movement and throughness and engagement and all those kinds of things, it is about us not impeding on or restricting their ability to move freely. And, and that is part of it is like being able to feel, follow, identify and stay with that horse's unique rhythm and understanding like that feel is only the feel of that horse. You go over to another horse and you have to adapt to it. Um, you know, like my students, they, they do, you know, it can be kind of easy sometimes like to kind of have more of a superficial like gleam over it because, you know, when you pick up on these like levels of sensitivity and in like in tune yourself into the horse that much, it does make it difficult to change horses because you're like, you realize, you know, the more you know a certain horse, like the deeper you go in that level of connection in movement and, you know, in emotional state and understanding their likes and their dislikes, the more you realize you go over to another horse and you're like, I know nothing about you. I don't know your rhythm. I don't know your gait. I don't know what you like. I don't know what you don't like. I don't know how to make you happy. I don't know what I did that just then to piss you off. Like, <laughs> It's so true. Oh my God. You literally get like, that's like spot on. You get to know them so well and you do you mold with them where it just it feels like you're just a part of them yeah and it is so hard it, it is really hard when you don't know like again like you don't know them and they don't you know horses are smart I think somebody asked me one time they're like do your horses know who you are and go yes they absolutely know who I am yeah. they know who their owner is they're not you know like I'm like they're not oblivious just like they know when somebody's new on them you know some horses are really sweet when it's somebody new yeah. And then other horses are like, oh, I can take advantage of you. And, <laughs> you know, they'll have like uh, my other horse. Oh, my God. If, if I was when he was young, um, he would like he would spook in this one corner only with me because he wanted to he wanted to get me out of work. And so he knew, hey, if I spook, she'll get scared and she's going to get off of me. And it worked until I started like taking lessons with my trainer and then her having to get on him. And he knew like she wasn't going to take that. So if he tried to spook to try to get out of work, he was going to, she was going to be like, I don't think so. I'm not afraid of you. Like, just go forward. You're going to get in that corner. Um, But yeah, I know that's so, and I love how you talk about the music because it is true. They all, they all move differently. And like, that's why I like with the dressage freestyles, 
they're all like, you can't just like pick a song and like do it no matter, like it has to match up with how the horse's movement is. And that makes it like a really good freestyle. It makes it like super like harmonious and you can tell the difference. Yeah. Um, I think it's a really relevant point to, to make, um, with, you know, your horse figuring out how they can kind of sneak out of that little extra effort. You know, there's like a lot of the industry and I think a lot of them are professionals that say this, that are like, your horse can't, you know, um, can't plot against you. Like they can't plan ahead to like, you know, do a certain thing or, or whatever, but, This is, I think, like professionals working with green horses, becoming good leaders for that horse. The horse stops like trying to outmaneuver the human and just says, you're a good leader. I'm going to follow you. So they don't have that experience. I think that this experience happens (laughs) a lot until you become like, you know, even as a professional trainer, like until you become like you're really solid in understanding horse behavior and even then they can still kind of outmaneuver you a little bit. But like, um, you know, it happens at the school with the horses all the time. It's like they have the confidence in themselves to say that's what makes them a good school horse, right? Is that they have the confidence within themselves to, to know like, maybe you're not good enough yet to actually make them do that and so they're um they're not going to put that effort in unless you ask it of them and unless you have the confidence and the skills to to like get that and we see it I see it a lot like when we're in that little transformational moment like we've been working you know six 12 months on this like certain skill set so that we're ready for that next one and it's always it's always in that shift, whether it's the horse's transformational process or the humans, like if it's the horse, they're like, we're asking them to do something that they've never done before. And they don't even know what it is that we're asking of them. So being able to kind of like coach them into that place, especially if the human itself hasn't been there before, but then like for the human, if they're like in that little transformational process and, you know, they're ready to to try something new and they're like physically ready, they're emotionally ready, they're mentally ready for that like new challenge, the horse is like, no, but this is all you've expected me of me until yeah. this point. Like that extra effort, that extra requires like more trust, more confidence, more security within the relationship with you. Like it requires you to be more to ask more of your horse. And so that's like where, you know, that mindset and that personal development can become like so critical in your development with your horse is that if you are going to ask more of your horse, you need to be more yourself as well. Oh, that's like a hundred percent. And I think like, especially you're talking about like being a leader, right? Um, when I started thinking about that, is that like, okay, I used to, you know, when I was riding Alexia or when you do get on a horse, if you think about being afraid, if you're afraid, again, your horse will pick up on that because they're very sensitive and going to feel the tightness in you. They're going to feel that. And so like, you know, thinking of it as, okay, I have to be the leader, right? I have to be the leader and my horse is going to look, which is what you're really aiming for. You want your horse to look for you for confidence so that you're telling them when they see something scary, you're saying, Hey, no, it's okay. Like you can do this. This isn't scary. And they might hesitate, but then usually they'll go through it. And so like when I was thinking, like talking about that corner, 
Um, what happened with, especially with Pilgrim was, and what I started to have to also like self-reflect and realize is that, yes, he knew that like, you know, he would try to like spook in that corner. But then my trainer mentioned something one time. She goes, when you're going in that corner, are you expecting it? Are you expecting it? And, and she was like, because if you're expecting it to happen every time, is it going to happen? Probably because your body, you're going to feel some kind of reaction, whether you're thinking about it or not, you're going to feel a reaction. And she, I mean, there was other times where he used to spook at things. And this was hard because this is a confidence builder, right? Is that if your horse, you are asking them to, to do something that, you know, maybe you're acting, ask them to collect, like to collect more and it's hard. And they're like, Oh my God, like, this is so much harder than just cantering. Like, why do, why are we doing this? I don't want to hold myself up. <laughs> and you're asking that. And then maybe they, they, you know, they are like acting up or something, you know, you do have to build that confidence where you can push through and ignore it. Like you have to disconnect it. So it's, and it's not easy to do because again, like they may spook at something and then you're going around that corner again and you have to almost like, or if it's something just random, you have to literally pretend like that didn't happen because if you keep spooking at, they're going to keep spooking at it and you have to push them into it. And same thing with the work they're going to act up a little bit because yes, they're trying to understand why are you asking me to do this again? Like, why, what are you asking? It's why it's so important to, I was reading something and talked about how like you have like a three seconds to like either discipline a horse or praise a horse, like three seconds to like pat them or just, you know, again, like if it's something that you need to, you know, be a little bit stern, whatever, I don't know, depends on what it is, but they don't understand anything beyond that. Like, and that's why it's like, you know, you'll hear people, which I, I, there's some things I hate hearing. Like when people are like, oh, well, I'm not going to feed you dinner. It's like, your horse doesn't understand. Like they don't understand not eating dinner. Like they don't, they're not that smart. Like, I think that they can be smart in the sense that like when you're on them and they know you're a novice rider, that they're going to like get away from the work. I do think that they understand that because if you're not going to push them into it, they're going to be like, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to worry about this. Like, why would I worry about this? But they definitely are not vindictive enough where they're going to know that like you were giving not giving them dinner and that's a punishment. And like, I don't know, you know, that's a whole nother topic. It's just like, you know, the crazy certain things that people do, like, you know, again, like not understanding that it's a harmony, it's a partnership and it's, it's, you're learning from each other and you know, you can't like, don't get so emotionally tied to it either. Like it is, you know, it is what it is. And like, don't get so mad at them. Like if it's not working out, like, again, it's not that they don't love you. It's not that they're not going to try. It's also like reflect on yourself and think like, is there something again? I always think as a writer, is there something that I'm doing also that's like not helping me in this situation? It's not getting me this result because they, you know, again, they are smart, but they're not, but we need to always be as a writer, self-reflecting on what we're doing. Because a lot of times it's us. And again, like sometimes a lot of times it has nothing to do with the horse. It's literally us. Like I remember when my horse, like my other horse would always pick up the wrong lead to the left. He'd always pick up the wrong lead. And the biggest thing was because my hips were uneven and I was throwing him on bounce. So he always ended up in the wrong, the wrong lead. And I would get so angry and frustrated. And then my chair was like, look, I mean, like, he's just, he is doing it correctly. Cause like how he's balanced, he's going into it correctly. And I'm like, okay, you're right. I've got to like self-reflect. What am I doing? (laughs) Because if he's out in the field, he can pick up that lead. Like he can pick it up fine. He can do it. It's just that like, he's not doing it because, you know, again, there's something with me. 
turn on my light. <laughs> yeah, love it. So, so true. Um, there is a lot of self-reflection <laughs> when it comes to working with horses. It's constant and it is going to be constant, you know, and it's just, you're like, and I think that's what like draws me into like, like riding and like why I love lifting and like why I love doing things like that is that you're never going to not improve. Like you're never going to be like at a point where you're going to think, well, I'm done. (laughs) I've, I've mastered it. I don't need to do anything more. I don't need to practice anymore. And any professional knows that like, you're never going to get to that point. And so it's like, it's, but that's, what's so great about it is, is that there's constantly, you're constantly learning again, you know, again, like I've learned more in the last, I feel like two and a half, three years with riding and body awareness that I had known my entire life. And it took, you know, definitely like changing discipline, but, um, you know, just, and also like, you know, different trainer and different view, but more so also like, again, like starting to understand how much the fitness part correlated in the body awareness correlated so much to what I was after with riding and, and understanding that, okay, you know what I am, I need to be held responsible for my body that's on this horse, just as, as well as, you know, like I'm, you know, leaning on them. They're, they're expecting me to do the same. And if you can do that, you know, you can really watch like how better you progress forward versus like, you know, trying to, you know, again, like kind of like half-ass it a little bit and not work on yourself and like constantly think it's your horse's fault or that it's your horse's fault instead of thinking, okay, well, what can I do better to help them? And then they're going to be able to help me more too. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's like where, you know, that self-reflection and that mindset is so important because like quite often, if you don't have the right mindset and you don't do the self-reflection, you just come out of it feeling, you know, like you're not good enough. You just come out of it feeling like trash and it's kind of like that point where you might give up or you might like take a break for a while and, you know, need to find that inspiration to try again. Um, You know, the way that we set up our lesson plans is that, you know, at the end of the lesson plan, we have a breakdown of how it went that like self-reflection work is so important because it prevents you from getting stuck in, in that rut in your head and just thinking you're not good enough and you're never going to be able to do it and you can't achieve it with your horse. It's like, well, it just didn't work today. Like, why didn't it work today? Did I ask too much? Did I overface myself? Did I overface my horse? Am I missing some prerequisites? Are there some skills I need to hone a little bit better? Like, you know, when I'm introducing Kenna for my students for the first time, and I ask the horse to Kenna, if they say no, I hear them. I'm like, okay, you aren't ready to Kenna because my school horses that know how to canner are saying don't canner just yet so what what are we missing we might need to go back and do some more strength work some more balance work in the saddle so that they feel that you are actually balanced ready for a different gait and then we'll go and we'll go do some more two-point seat we'll go do some more pole work like some really strength and balance focused work before we go and ask for the canner again and you know you, you hear your horse again okay like are you ready are you not ready no you're not ready like go back you know there's lots of going back and refining and improving and getting your balance better getting the strength and athleticism better so that like your horse is confident in your ability to actually stay on like that is a good school horse a horse that says no you're not ready as a horse is trying to keep you safe and is trying to look after you we don't want to 
to punish them for that. But in the same aspect, if you keep asking them to do things that you aren't ready for, then, you know, when it actually does get to the point that you are ready, your horse is going to doubt you. You have broken that trust and that confidence in them by asking before you're ready it's such like a fickle fight and and, you know that is why the coach is so important in in those transformational pieces is that um you know sometimes you are going to have to push the horse a little bit because there's they've said you know you've you've overfaced them or they've lost trust and confidence and they're starting to doubt you but you are actually ready and you know the two of you just need to like take that leap of faith together and cross your fingers and hope it all goes well oh yeah oh absolutely oh my god (laughs) so true like you have to just be like okay I'm doing this we're doing it yeah exciting though too like you think about like you know from your students aspect like that first canter that you actually get like if you've never cantered it's like the most magical thing in the world and you're like I think about how like when I get lazy (laughs) I get like tired and from trotting and like holding I'm like I can like you're still holding your core but when you do get comfortable cantering, you know that like I would much rather canter than sit trot or to post trot. Like, oh my God, it's so much easier, especially when you get a nice canter. Yeah. Like you want to stop doing it. And then, then you realize, you know, you have to. Like, oh my God. That's why they'd rather a lot of horses rather, like, especially my mare, they'll rather canter than trot because trot and like engaging and slowing down the trot and everything like that and really reaching, like, it's hard. <laughs> They're yeah. like, this yeah. is way harder. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Asking our horses to use their body is not their favorite thing to do. (laughs) (laughs) To disengage. Especially if I go running, I always think about the horses and I think about, you know, me, especially like with Oz and, and, you know, you know, again, building that, you know, it started off with like just getting him because he was so out of like, he was not in working shape when I got him. Um, He great trot, like, I mean, perfect trot, but he was not in he didn't have, you know, he's got that draft in him too. So he's got that big body and, um, you know, he wasn't conditioned to canter. And so it's like, first it was just literally just getting him to canter. And he was, you know, I had to like, you know, you have to keep pushing a little bit more to yeah. build the endurance, to build the strength. And you'll like almost feel bad a little bit. Cause you're like, no, gotta keep going. Gotta keep going a little bit, a little bit longer, one more lap to try to get his muscles to work. And I would think about him when I'm running, because, you know, you're thinking yeah. like you're on your horse's body. You're like, this point, this horse is like, oh my God, I want to stop. And you're like, no, don't stop. And so I think about that with myself. I'll think, no, like, what would you do to Oz? <laughs> you're, telling, you're telling him like, you got to keep going, Lindsay, just push a little harder. And that's again, like, you know, you push past that, that boundary that's like, gets you stronger. And it's the same thing with the horses, same thing with ourselves. Like you keep pushing a little bit further. And then, you know, again, like, that's why sometimes when you first canter, you canter like two steps and then you're like, oh my God. And then you bring it back and and then you build from there where you're yeah. like, I can do this all day. Definitely like doing any kind of exercise for yourself gives you a healthy respect for how hard it is for the horses to hard. <laughs> and, you know, I think sometimes people think about, um, you know, it's just like, they'd get like more like quote unquote downtime, but again, their muscles get sore, just like our muscles. Yeah. Like they get sore, especially when they are starting to do something new. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're engaging different parts of their body. That's why body um, maintenance for like really hardworking horses is so important because uh, eventually, you know, just like our bodies, like they will start to break down. They just, they can't keep going forever. Yeah. Um, you know, with your school horses, that's probably like, you know, big thing for you is just like, you know, paying attention to how are they feeling? 
because if they don't feel good, they still feel good. They're not, they're not lying. Like they're not like they're used to, like you said, they know how to canter. They know the drill. They know the, the move. They don't know the button. They have the button down. So if they're not going to do it, they're definitely feeling something. Yeah. Oh, so good, Lindsay. I probably could talk to you for the rest of the day. <laughs> I know. It was so great. I'm really excited about this. This was a really fun. I'm again, I'm so happy to have you had me on. And uh, it's a really fun topic because it's not something I get to talk about very often. I don't get it kind of correlate with um, with the horses and fitness and the mindset. And again, it's such a mindset with horses. It's yeah, it's all mindset, really. I mean, you have to believe in yourself a lot of times and you have to disconnect from getting too emotional because, you know, again, that's, I think that would be my biggest advice for anybody listening is just don't let your emotions like get the best of you. Just know that there's some good days or some great days or some bad days. Um, there's some days that are literally just for learning. Um, there's some days you have to let your ego go. Like if you're not feeling it, if you feel something's off with any horse you're riding, um, and you have a feeling, and I learned this sometimes the hard way, just don't go on, like, just listen, because sometimes your intuition is saying like, maybe I shouldn't ride today. And it's not because you're being lazy. It's more so there's something like something in you is telling you. And usually that's like trying to protect you. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I a hundred percent like you. And I, I think, you know, once we start to get to know the horses a little bit, you just, you can pick the vibe up, right? It's like, today is not a push day. Today is not a ride day. Today is a, is a check-in day because I feel like you don't really like me at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes that's like a lunch day. Like, you know, and you can, like, you can like with weather, especially like, again, you know, depending on the horse, depending how they are, sometimes it's just not a riding day. And it doesn't mean like you can do so much with um, and like, I have a friend that's so good at, at lunging and doing like, like really getting them to stretch and reach. And I'm like, like, I'm not the best at like getting my horses to do that, but it's so good for them. Right. Like it's so good for them to stretch and reach. It's so good for their back. And, um, but yeah, you can always do something with them or you just groom them. That's why they're magical. <laughs> you just, you get joy out of anything you do with them. Yeah, for sure. So, um, if anybody is interested in, uh, improving their fitness, uh, whatnot you do online. Yes. So everything's virtual. Um, I've been virtual online trainer again for like almost seven years. So you can find me, um, on Instagram. I'm at at Lindsay under underscore much. So that's L I N D S E Y underscore M U T C H L E R. My website is my first last name and fitness. So it's Lindsay Mutchler fitness.com. And then I also, my podcast is the Mindful Gains podcast, which is on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. So good. We'll put all the links in the show notes so that people can pop over and okay. have a look and check you out. Um, I have adored talking to you. I'm not a, a PG or, um, you know, an exercise person in any way, shape or form, but I definitely have a healthy respect for the requirements of my body <laughs> for the horses um especially you know you you can get so comfortable with you know your armchair horse that you've had for like 
five years and you just kind of mold into each other. But, you know, anytime you're working with a new horse or a green horse, it, it really does bring to the forefront that body awareness. And so much of that comes from us, like having some degree of athleticism. I see it in my students all the time. Like, um, you know, when we are doing the balancing act and juggling and trying to prioritize our health and fitness alongside our horse's health and fitness the progress is so much easier and it is so much smoother um and if we kind of rely on our horses to compensate for where we're not focusing on how our body is moving and moving effectively then it does impact their ability to move freely and we end up needing the body worker more and the chiro more. oh my god yeah it really is true like so it's like the better it's, it just prevents all it prevents all types of things and yeah. you know again horses it adds up it adds up really quickly Yeah, sure does. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. If you're loving what you're listening to on the podcast, you might be starting to recognize that trying to control your horse through submission-based training is the worst way to ask your horse to look after you. If you're working with or riding horses, you know how unpredictable and sometimes scary they can be. Unfortunately, most struggling horse riders make the mistake of thinking they can physically control their 400 plus kilo fur babies by moving their feet or spooking them into responding with flags and join up. Without giving your horse a reason to care about you and look after you, you will most likely end up with a horse that is disconnected at best, shut down or explosive at worst because they can't communicate their needs with you, especially if you are already scared, worried or nervous handling your horse. That's why we've created our new free online training experience, building a connection with your horse. This is how I've gone about creating safe horses for beginners, no matter the breed or previous handling experiences. If you want to learn the secret source behind developing safe horses that care about you and look after you without trauma triggering training methods, register for our new training today at www.equestriummovement.com forward slash connection and I will uncover the three big mistakes you might be making if you're trying to build a relationship with your horse and how you can start building your horse's trust and confidence in you as a leader worth following.